Healthy Girl Kitchen. I am obsessed with Healthy Girl Kitchen. She's a vegan food blogger and health coach. I want to be her best friend. Invigorating conversations with leading experts. Danielle spends her days helping others improve their health. This is the Healthy Girl Podcast with your host, Danielle Keith. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. I hope everyone's having an amazing week so far. I am just hanging out. I'm eating my fruit salad this morning. I've been loving making a fruit salad. You guys know if you watch my Instagram stories, I usually make a smoothie every morning, but I've been very into making fruit salads. I just add a ton of different cut up fruit and I mix some lemon and flax and maybe I'll add some hemp seeds or chia seeds and it's so yummy and refreshing and I've been liking chewing my breakfast, but I still love smoothies, but it's nice to switch it up once in a while. That kind of leads into my health tip of the day because we're talking about fruit for our health tip. I want to encourage everyone to eat more green apples. Green apples are amazing for your liver health. They're super high in fiber, high in vitamin C. They're amazing for your gut health and they also help with digestive issues. So if you have problems like constipation, eat a green apple and I promise it will help. Also, their antioxidant content is amazing for anti-aging. I've been having a green apple every day in this morning fruit salad I was talking about and I just love how it makes me feel. As for the cooking tip of the day, I wanna talk about bread. I usually eat Ezekiel bread or something like that and even though I'm not gluten intolerant or have celiac, I've been on the search for a vegan and gluten-free bread that actually tastes good because Ezekiel bread is not gluten-free. It's super healthy and it's sprouted whole grains, which is great, but I wanted to create a vegan and gluten-free bread that my audience could have as well because a lot of the people who follow me and consume my content are gluten intolerant or they choose to be gluten-free. And the only vegan gluten-free breads I could find were in the frozen aisle, and they're just not the best quality. Also, I've just been craving a crusty bakery bread that's vegan, made with gluten-free ingredients, so I decided to take it into my own hands and make one myself. The recipe is inspired by Ella Vegan, so shout out to her. However, her bread is made with a base of buckwheat, um, and I wasn't the biggest fan of the buckwheat taste. So I decided to make mine with quinoa flour. So it's a bit more mild and it also has chickpea flour in it and brown rice flour and psyllium husks. So it's super high in fiber, amazing for your health. So I have a new recipe on my website for that homemade vegan gluten-free bread. You don't need a bread machine. You don't have to wait to let it rise. You just need the ingredients into a dough, pop it in the oven, and within about an hour, you have a fresh bread that's super high quality and tastes like a bakery. It's crusty on the outside, soft on the inside, and I topped mine with everything but the bagel seasoning, so it tastes like heaven. And then just spread a little Miyoko's vegan butter on there, add some peanut butter, make it into an avocado toast. You guys are going to love it. The recipe is on my website at healthygirlkitchen.com. And if you try that and make it, please, please post pictures. I love when you guys tell me that you make my recipe. So whether you upload it to Instagram and tag me, upload it to Facebook, wherever it is, please let me know because I love seeing your Healthy Girl Kitchen creations. 
Also, if you're listening to this episode right now, please screenshot it and put it on your Instagram story and tag me because just how I like when you post my recipes, I love seeing that you guys are listening to the Healthy Girl podcast. So go ahead, screenshot it, tag me, and I will repost. Our guest today is Carly Bodrug. She is a full-time vegan food blogger, meal planner, and holistic health coach with a following of over 500,000 foodies between her social channels. We dive deep into discussing vegan stigmas, tips for eating out in restaurants, tips for plant-based beginners, plant-based meal ideas if you want to impress your non-vegan friends and family, work-from-home tips, social media strategy, building your brand on TikTok, and more. Carly is so kind, genuine, and down-to-earth, and we had the best time recording this episode. We kept chatting for an hour after we stopped recording because we just couldn't stop talking, so I know you guys will love hearing from her. Also, if you haven't yet rated and subscribed to my podcast, if you could, that would be so helpful whenever you guys leave um, your ratings and reviews. It really helps the podcast grow and the ratings help a lot on iTunes. So leave a rating. I will shout you out. And to those of you who have already left a rating and a review, thank you so much. It is much appreciated over here. Let's get into the episode. Hi, Carly. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm really excited to dive into everything, but I I kind of just wanted to jump right in because I think most people know who you are, and I'll ask you more details about you in a little bit, but being a certified health coach, food blogger, plant-based guru, I'm sure everyone's curious what you eat in a day. (laughs) What do I eat in in a day? It's honestly very simple, which I think is kind of how Plant You started because I came to the space and saw that there were a lot of um, complicated vegan recipes with things like flowered um, avocados and spiralized zucchini. And I thought, I don't eat like that. So maybe people would be interested in a simpler approach. So I probably start my day with a matcha latte, um, which is really simple. It's just almond milk, dates, and matcha powder. And I generally don't eat until around noon when I'll have like a smoothie and some hummus and pita or hummus and crackers. And then for dinner, I absolutely love a huge bowl of like whole wheat, pasta with uh, a veggie bolognese or any sort of curry dishes I'm in love with. So that would probably be a typical day. And I always, almost always end my days with uh, dark chocolate. So <laughs> there are uh, some good eats that go on in our household for sure. That sounds so good. That, that sounds very similar to how I eat. I agree with you that like having just like zucchini for a meal doesn't cut it. I love having like plant-based comfort foods and just like switching it up all the time, which I think you do a really good job of. You always have a good mix of things and I love just seeing all of your meal ideas on your social media. But I want to oh, take thank you. I want to take it back to your beginnings, your background, where you grew up so everyone can kind of understand where you came from. 
Yeah, for so for anyone who's watching or listening who doesn't know me, my name is Carly. I run the blog Plant You and probably am better known as Plant You on my social channels. So my journey all started in 2015 uh, when the World Health Organization came out with that uh, red meat and processed meat were now considered group one and group two carcinogens. My dad is a colon cancer survivor and colon cancer is quite prevalent in our family. So that news was particularly shocking um, considering following his colon cancer surgery and chemotherapy and everything, uh, we had just continued eating what I would describe as the standard American diet. Meat on the plate every single night, if not for every meal, animal products. And it's interesting because I grew up um, actually on a hobby farm with horses, chickens, dogs, cats, any pet that you can imagine. And uh, my whole family are such like very rich animal lovers. So From that point on in 2015, um, I just started delving into plant-based nutrition and along with my family, uh, transitioned to a plant-based lifestyle. And from there, everything really started to click. Like, for example, the... (laughs) recognizing that the animals on my plate were no different than the animals I loved um, all growing up, as well as just um, I had a lot of health things. I didn't go plant-based because I was dealing with any personal health issues, but I found my health improved regardless of that. Um, All growing up, I had dealt with constipation, even as young as I believe 12 years old, being prescribed laxatives by my doctor. All of this almost instantly completely subsided when I went plant-based and you learn when you start to learn about a plant-based lifestyle that so much especially in the last decade we've been pushed protein 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 well 97% of the U.S. population gets over the recommended amount of protein and if they don't they're usually on calorie restricted diets whereas 95% of us are fiber deficient which can lead to things such as constipation and other gut issues so it's just kind of um as i was going along this journey it was so shocking to me that everybody was just so consumed with eating animal products and upping their protein amounts when it seemed like we had it all backwards at the time I was living up in Northern Ontario on my own in a really small bachelor apartment. I was working actually as a radio host and I started looking at plant-based recipes online because I was a beginner myself and found that a lot of them were complicated and saw obviously an opportunity and a space to start sharing some of my simple takes on my favorite kind of Americanized recipes done plant-based. And, uh, That's kind of how we got here, started sharing those on Instagram and uh, they took off a bit. And then I started a weekly meal plan program where people get um, a meal plan, plant-based oil-free in their inbox every week and was able to leave my job just over a year ago now. So it's been a roller coaster for sure. But that 2015 news from the World Health Organization was the catalyst to the journey. That's crazy. And I love like everyone has their own unique story of how they found the plant-based diet and how they got to where they are now. But I feel like the best part is just hearing like, okay, I went plant-based and then I experienced all these benefits. And like, it sounds like your life and quality of life is just so much better now. And it's brought you to your career. And it's also brought you to a better place of health, which is really, really inspiring. Oh, thank you. And I think 
every person who has gone on this journey that I talked to seemed to have gone through a similar kind of like the best way I can describe it is spiritual awakening. Like I was that person in kind of university and high school that was like, oh, I could never eat vegan. And as I like weaned myself off of these animal products, you're just kind of opened up to the the world and our interconnectedness to our fellow animals and the earth and how this is just such a good thing on so many levels from a health perspective an environmental perspective and for our fellow animals so whenever somebody's interested in a plant-based lifestyle i just see it as like a win 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 across the board for sure and did i hear that right that your family went plant-based with you yeah, so my parents at the time that that news came out, we kind of like went on, down a rabbit hole, uh, which I think people often do of like watching Netflix documentaries like Forks Over Knives, What the Health, uh, Food Choices, all kind of probably in like a couple months span. And um, they went close to plant-based. I mean, still close to plant-based. Um, they'll indulge once in a while, but yes, which I was very thankful for because it made the journey that much easier. That's really interesting because I feel like normally, and tell me if you agree or disagree, most people when they go vegan, they have a lot of pushback from their families. And it's really hard, especially for maybe younger people who are still living at home to get the support from their families. And I know a lot of young kids will write to me and ask me like, hey, I'd love to be plant-based, but my parents won't let me. So I think that's interesting that your parents were open-minded enough to get on board with you. It certainly made the journey so much easier. And I completely agree with you that it's not the normal circumstance. And my parents, my dad's will be 70 this year. So to change your diet at that age is really commendable and just shows that it's never too late. I get those messages in my inbox almost every day as well. And they break my heart because in some cases, um, it's kids saying that their parents are really against it and don't understand. And I, my advice to them always is to do the best they can with the circumstances they're in. And they'll have that chance when they're on their own to eat a plant-based diet. The other thing that I also found uh, when I went plant-based is the scariest part about it was social situations or even like Thanksgiving dinner, going out for dinner and like kind of feeling like people have to accommodate you can be so scary. And what I always tell people when it comes to that as well, that if that's the one thing stopping you from switching to a vegan or plant-based diet, then maybe when you go to a restaurant, you have the meat or the cheese once every couple of months. Like it doesn't need to be a 100% switch overnight. You can do it gradually and then build up the confidence to talk about it because I do think there is a judgment that comes with it from family and uh, friend members. Definitely. And that's something that I was worried about too, because when I went plant-based, I was in college and obviously social situations come along with college territory and I was a little worried about being judged by people that maybe when they were out getting like an ice cream cone or like going out to an unhealthy fast food restaurant and me saying oh like I can't eat there I was worried about being judged so what would your tips be to someone who's maybe newly vegan and they're having difficulty or anticipating difficulty eating out at restaurants 
I would say, first of all, give yourself grace. It's an amazing decision that you've made for your health, the animals, the environment, and just be patient with yourself and enter the conversations talking about the benefits of a plant-based lifestyle. Not from, I think some people approach it kind of um, saying to people, oh, you shouldn't be eating animals or whichever else. But if you approach it and say, oh, I have felt so amazing since eating plant-based. Oh, I feel like I'm doing so much for myself and the environment and approach it from a really positive perspective. There's not much then someone can say to kind of counter it if you're speaking it from such a positive light because i i think people will counter you but it's it's hard to do if you're only saying positive things definitely and i think that helps in all social situations and can you also touch on restaurants like let's say your friend invites you to dinner at a certain restaurant what would your tips be for maybe finding restaurants or navigating a menu yeah the great thing is is that um a lot of restaurants at least in north america are hopping on the plant-based wagon however what i always do when someone invites me to a restaurant is i immediately go online and look at the menu if there's not something in their main course that's plant-based you're going to want to look at the side dishes so more often than not, they'll have something like a baked potato or a garden salad or French fries, things like that, that you can order multiples of to create your own kind of plant-based meal. Even the appetizers, there's often um, vegan choices. So I often will order sides and I, I don't think there's ever been a situation where I've been in a restaurant where I haven't been able to at least order one or two things off the menu using that kind of strategy. There's also lots of vegan restaurants restaurants now popping up. However, to be honest, I don't go to a lot of vegan only restaurants. I find the restaurants that have the most vegan offerings tend to be ethnic food like Indian and Thai food. So you can always recommend um, these as well because they usually will have dishes that you're able to get tofu in instead of that meat option. Mexican is a great one as well. Definitely. I agree. I was actually on someone else's podcast yesterday and I gave the same advice that going to ethnic restaurants is honestly sometimes a lot easier than going to just like a plain old American restaurant here. I mean, I don't know how it is for you in Canada, but like somewhere, at least if you're going to an American restaurant, it's a lot of meat yeah. and there's a lot of dairy and everything where if you go to Indian, I love ordering like chana masala yeah. or like lentil dal with, um, my trick is a lot of the times naan comes with butter on it. You can ask for the roti, which is like a dry whole wheat bread. Yeah. I find it so good. Yeah, Indian and Thai restaurants, they're my favorite. Like if I'm going out for dinner, that's usually where I'm going because it, it, I feel like they accommodate everyone and the food is just so good, which is actually, um, I really didn't eat ethnic food before I went plant-based. It opened me up to all of these different cuisines because I had been just in this rut of like chicken, rice, and broccoli, I swear for like a five-year stint. So depressing when you think about it. No, it's true. And I've had a lot of people actually tell me that, that it opens up your palate and makes you go on like a food adventure. And 100%. I know now my favorite hobbies, just like exploring new restaurants, trying new things on menus. My other point was a really easy trick for people is to get sushi because you always know that it's just going to be rice, seaweed and veggies. And you can just order like a cucumber avocado roll. It's so safe. If you go to any sushi restaurant, you know you can find that. 
Yam rolls are my thing. Like, I love yam rolls. But you do have to check that they don't put mayo in there. For some reason, like, restaurants love to put mayo in everything. <laughs> but uh, they do. yam rolls are so good. Sweet potato rolls. Yes. Oh, I'm like, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> so I want to go back to when you first created your Instagram. What year did you say it was that you created your account? It was probably around 2016, I'm going to guess which would be what, four years ago now, 2016, maybe early 2017 at the latest. And what was your goal at the time? Like, what were you posting when you first started your account? Honestly, there wasn't much of a goal. Like, I didn't really anticipate that it would become my full-time job. I just started posting um, simple things about, like, what I was eating. Even if you go down on my account, I was... um traveling my fiance and I traveled Thailand for a month so I was sharing there's a lot of vegan offerings in Southeast Asia so I was sharing some of the food that I was having there and my account started growing when I started sharing like infographic recipes so if anybody's familiar with my account there's like I'll post a finished dish as well as the individual ingredient photos and I think it just really simplified it for people how to make these dishes and that's when I saw definitely a lot of growth in my account in 2018, 2019. I was going to ask you about that. How did you come up with the idea to create these recipe graphics? Um, I took definitely inspiration from... I. Most people know her, but Meow Mix, she'll take like um, overhead photos of before and after. And I'm like, there's something to this that makes it seem very simple. And I just kind of put my own little twist on it of taking like really the individual ingredient photos and having them on top and the dish after. I remember distinctly kind of like sitting down and playing with different graphic plays to see which came off the simplest because I think people really, really, really want simple, simple uh, plant-based recipes. And how quickly did your following grow? Because now you have what, like 350,000 Instagram followers, which is absolutely (laughs) insane. It's, um, as you probably know, as a content creator yourself, it's ebbs and flows. So I would say 100,000 was slow, 100 to 200 was really fast, then 200 to 300 was snail's pace. So it just depends what Instagram is hot at the moment. I would say um, one tip I have for someone who's creating content is to definitely top on any new features that a platform is offering. So right now reels are very hot and they're pushing them out in the algorithm. But um, like anything, there's slow points and quick points of growth. One other really good piece of advice is to make sure that you're consistently offering value to whoever's following you. For years, I offered free recipes right on the page until I launched my own kind of meal plan program. So it's about giving people a reason to press that follow button on your page when they look at it. What are they getting from you to want to follow along for more? I completely agree. And I think consistency is key because if you disappear for like two months, that's a long time. I feel like that's like two years in social media time because every day people are being bombarded by pictures and videos and on all different kinds of platforms. So staying consistent is key. But I also think when you said it kind of ebbs and flows, being patient is also really important. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, 100%. If you want to be a content creator, you definitely need to develop patience because it's 
I mean, for me personally, this was years of growth on Instagram. And it's very easy to compare yourself to other people, I think, in the industry who have really quick growth. But for the average person, it is like a grind of years. I think when I look back on the past three years, I've probably missed over the three years entirely two weeks of posting, like 14 days in and out. So when you think about that, the posting every day in and out duplication, it's definitely a grind. And it's something that you need to love beyond wanting to make money. Because I know for myself, I didn't uh, probably make a dollar from Instagram for the first two to three years that I was posting content on it. Okay, I think you need to say that one more time for (laughs) everyone who is like freaking out about the fact that they haven't made money yet as a content creator. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny because um, I think people, I don't know if you've gotten this, but people can get a little miffed when they see you doing like sponsorship or brand deals and wondering what you're getting paid for them. And what I always tell people and my friends, even when I get like sent a product or something like that, I'm like, yep, I worked three years for free (laughs) in order to get to a point where I could make any sort of income as a content creator. So it's definitely a long game and you have to absolutely love, like I love creating content, absolutely love it. So I think um, you have to love it to swallow the fact that you could be doing it for free for a decade, in my opinion. Yes, and I have had people message me you know, kind of asking for advice and just saying, hey, like I I see your page, I'd love to do something like that. And of course I give them encouraging words and advice, but one of their first questions is, well, how quickly can I monetize this? When am I gonna make my first <laughs> paycheck? And I'm like, well, it's not that simple. Everyone has a different story. As you said, someone might go viral overnight. Someone else might take them five years to get their big break. But I don't think you can go in to content creation with the intention of monetizing. And when I talk to all these bloggers, influencers, 99% of them, they started their blog, Instagram, just with a passion of theirs. And it turned into their job. And that's what I try to get across to people is that you cannot start off with the intention of just trying to make money like you have to start just putting out what's in your heart and you'll attract the people that are meant to be on your page 100 percent, and i think it's interesting too i would say most people who make money as content creators have more than one source of income So you have to not only post on Instagram, but likely have a blog where you're posting longer form content and then multiple social channels. So it's very easy to look at a photo with a brand sponsorship and think, oh, how easy they just took a photo with with a product. But it is just so much more complex than that. And it does. It truly takes years. So you need to uh, need to start as a passion so that you'll stick with it. Yes. And I don't want to skip over. This, I want to dive into diversification of platforms a little bit because I have not talked about that yet on this podcast. I've discussed brand partnerships and advocating for yourself, making sure that you're paid fairly for the work that you do for brands. But I do want to talk about diversification because a lot of content creators listen to this podcast and I want to stress to them how important it is because a lot of people just have their Instagram account or just have their YouTube or whatever it may be and 
what if Instagram was gone tomorrow? Like, what would you do? If all your eggs are in one basket, that can be really tough. A really good thing to drive this home would be the example of the threat of TikTok being banned. If you only had a TikTok platform and you have millions of followers on TikTok and you're making your main source of income, whether it be through like merchandise or you are doing brand partnerships through TikTok, that could literally disappear overnight if you don't diversify. At the end of the day, these social platforms, your content that you post on there is not owned by you anymore. That is owned by Instagram and TikTok. So they could take your profile away with the blink of the eye. So you need to be prepared. Any advice for um, a new content creator would be to set up a blog. It is an even longer game, I would say, than building a following on Instagram and TikTok, but it is much more sustainable and you own it. You own anybody who joins your email list. You own the visitors coming to your content that you've created. So it's super, super important to diversify. It's one of the most important things that you can do. I would focus on two platforms at first, maybe an Instagram and TikTok, maybe Instagram and Pinterest, depending on what you're doing. And also definitely build a blog and an email list. Um, I wish I had started building a blog and email list earlier than I had because it's so, so important, especially even when you're, you come to the point where you are monetizing. It's really important to have an email list so that you have that direct point of contact with your following. 100% to everything you just said. I think in terms of a blog, that's something that can seem kind of intimidating to people to like create your website and figure out what you're going to post. And even just like how to write a blog can seem intimidating. So I encourage people to do research. There are YouTube videos for literally everything. But yes, diversification is super important. And I've been telling people, literally anyone who's a content creator, to get your butt on TikTok immediately. Yeah. Because we were talking before we even started recording how crazy the organic reach is and how TikTok is like how Instagram was, you know, in 2014 when it was so easy to get followers. This is like really the sweet spot to get in right now. And you've gotten like over 100,000 followers on TikTok within just a few months. Yeah, it is the most interesting platform that I've ever been on as a content creator because the organic growth potential is just astronomical. Like if you're a new content creator, TikTok is 100% the place to be. Uh, That's fabulous advice. It's so interesting. You see like profiles on there with one really, really good video and they suddenly have like hundreds of thousands of followers. So it's definitely like if you're a new content creator, there hasn't been something like this around for years Uh, since probably 2014 Instagram. Yes. And I think there's a little bit of hesitancy from people. One, because they think it's only teenagers on the app, which is not the case at all. It's now aged up a lot and there's people of all ages on there. And I think two, being on a platform that we're not used to or that we don't know how to use yet can seem intimidating. Like when I've told people to get on TikTok, they're like, well, I don't know how to make a video. I'm like, I didn't either. I just spent a day trying to figure it out and it's the easiest thing ever. So I would just encourage everyone to be on TikTok. And I think you're a shining example of how quickly you can grow on there and how crazy it is because you can spread your message. And then as you said, from one video have this massive following. Yeah. And it's it's worth noting that you could just 
look at it as a work day. Spend six, eight hours, that's what I did, on TikTok, playing around, looking at what other people in your niche are doing and getting a handle on it because it's worth the time investment to see and start on a really good foot with your platform. Definitely. And that's another one. Just one more point with TikTok is that that's just one more platform that you can monetize. I know for me, I think only after like maybe two months of being on TikTok, I had my first sponsored post. So going back to your blog and the amazing meal plan subscription that you created. To me, that's an incredibly brilliant way to leverage your audience because I I think most people, even me, like I, I have my blog, I don't have a monthly subscription where I'm getting people to pay me every single month. That is, from a business perspective, brilliant, but also so amazing for people who are trying to be plant-based and don't know what to make every week and have literally no clue how to come up with recipes or make recipes, you send that to them every month. So can you talk about how you started that, how you came up with that idea and just everything that has to do with your meal plan subscription? As a content creator, um, it's definitely daunting to take the hop from your full-time job when you don't have a kind of guaranteed income. So in an effort to try to have a cushion in place where it made sense for me to take that jump to a creator role, I thought about what my audience really needed from me. And consistently, I was asked for like custom meal plans and more regular recipes. So it just made sense. It's definitely not a new concept. Like there's lots of meal plan subscriptions online, but I think what makes um, mine unique is definitely whole food, plant-based, oil-free meal plans. And honestly, it was, I'm very lucky that my following was received it so well that it was a really an instant success and the feedback has been really good. So what happens is every single week we send out a new meal plan to our subscribers. It's uploaded to a members only section of our website. Um, Members pay $7.99 per month to have access to them. And that's about it. It, We keep it really simple. We sometimes add some like fun eBooks in there for uh, snacks and desserts and stuff like that. We release seven new recipes per week and they're based around meal prepping. So we have a suggested schedule, a shopping list to take with them to the grocery store, and then seven recipes that cover breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then we usually have a dessert recipe as well. So yeah, I have my audience to thank for uh, receiving it so well. And we're now, because of the success of it, um, currently building a web app that will be like a drag and drop meal planner, um, which will be much more functional because right now they're just PDF meal plans, which people like because it is really simple, but we're envisioning a more kind of custom drag and drop meal planner in the next few months. That's so awesome. I have to like, I have to sign up for your meal plans. That's amazing. And (laughs) I love how it's so affordable too, because most people don't have that much money to spend on something like that. So I think that that's 
great for people who are just starting out, even like for college students. I would have loved that when I was in college to have a meal plan every week. So do you want to just give your website really quickly? Yeah, it's just plantyou.com and uh, the meal plans are right on the main page if uh, if anybody's listening and is interested in subscribing. And we definitely have all the information about how they work on there. Uh, when you sign up, you can cancel anytime. So if you just wanted a whole bunch of meal plans, you could sign up and cancel if you want. My main goal is to help a million people go plant-based. So I'm trying to tick them off the list and uh, get as many people as possible to eat a more conscious diet. So that's kind of the main driver and why the price is uh, so low as well. We actually, um, I was able to kind of build a team in the last year. I have a recipe creator, an assistant, an editor. So it's an all female team and uh, we work really hard each week to, uh, to deliver these meal plans. Wow. So how was it for you hiring out your work? Because I know creating a, um, a brand and business myself, you kind of feel like it's your baby and you kind of just want to do everything yourself. What would your, you know, advice be to someone who's maybe thinking about hiring a team? Hiring out was the best thing I ever did in my life. Um, I think it's allowed me to scale and focus on other projects, but it was definitely hard to let go because like you said, it is 100% like a, my child, I feel like. But I think at the end of the day, you want to be in a position as a business owner where you're working on what you want to be doing each day and where you shine. So for me, I absolutely love creating content. I've never once given someone access to my Instagram account or social media accounts because I just love hanging out there, chatting with people, etc. Some of the more administrative tasks like uh, compiling our grocery list for our meal plans each week and uh, replying to emails were just the feeling to get that off of my uh, desk each week was incredible. So just take the jump if you have the means to do so. But I once got really good advice from a, uh, a coach and she said, learn to do whatever you want to hire out first so that you're never reliant on the person if they choose to leave and you know exactly what it entails and how long it takes. So everything in the meal plans, I mean, obviously I started from zero. I did myself for at least eight months. So I know exactly what goes into everything and I oversee everything from the plant you brand perspective. I think that's really good advice. And I feel like it's like one thing to do everything yourself or try to do everything, but there comes a point in your business that you would not be able to get the important things done if you didn't hire other things out. Yeah, it gets to a point where it's just simply not possible. Then you're spreading yourself too thin. And for what? To have um, extra dollars in your pocket for what? So I think at some point it definitely gets to the point where you can't grow unless you start kind of hiring out and expanding. And like I said, it was probably the best decision I made, even from a mental health perspective, like you can only handle so much as one person. For sure. So being that you are a blogger, you work from home, obviously now everyone's kind of working from home now. So what are like your work from home tips? 
Oh, goodness. I'm really like not a really kind of organized person. But recently, um, my girlfriends and I, three of us, started like a morning routine. And I think this is good to do with a friend because it keeps you uh, keeps you honest. But we get up at 6 a.m. and we do like a, a power hour. So the power hour includes you go down, you drink a glass of water, maybe with lemon if that's your thing. Then you do 20 minutes of yoga or exercise, whichever kind of exercise you prefer. Could be a walk. Um, I choose to do yoga. Then you write in a journal for 10 minutes and then you read for another 10 minutes. And honestly, like if you start your day with that, you are just like on top of the world and I get so much done. When I don't start my day like that, you don't even want to kind of see me. I'm just like probably in my pajamas until 2 p.m. eating popcorn and sitting on the couch with my laptop, which is never a productive day. (laughs) But honestly, if you do this power hour and you wake up at six, you're at your desk at 7 a.m. And like by noon, you've probably gotten done like 10 times what you normally would. I love that. So what are your tips for getting up early? Because this is my biggest downfall. And if I have one night where like I can't fall asleep or I go to bed late, it just wrecks me. Like I'll be in a good habit of, you know, getting up at a decent hour. And then like all of a sudden it's just like a bad cycle again. And obviously I work for myself. So there's no one telling me to get up. And then I end up working till maybe like 10 at night on the days where I wake up late. So do you have advice to wake up earlier? I'm the exact same way. Like that reminds me of me so much. I'm definitely not perfect, but I would say the mover in this equation was doing like an accountability group with friends. Like we'll text each other at 6 a.m. Good morning. So when that alarm goes off at six, I'm like, oh, they're up. Like I should get up and do my work. Um, So definitely an accountability group. Number two is I've been like replaying this quote to myself and I don't even know if it's a quote or where I heard it, but um do the hard stuff that other people don't. As an entrepreneur, you've probably already done the hard stuff that most people won't do, but it's hard to wake up at 6 a.m. It's hard to do video content for TikTok. It's hard to post on Instagram and TikTok every single day to be consistent. Um, So like I've been repeating that quote to myself a lot lately because it's hard during COVID right now to even get out of bed, I think, for a lot of people. And that's okay too. Like you've got to give yourself grace. But if you repeat that quote to yourself and you have an accountability group, I feel like nine times out of 10, you'll get out of bed. I love that. So I'm going to have to get back to you because I want to take that advice. I really like that. (laughs) So in terms of working from home, so you just gave us a glimpse into your morning routine. So you sit down at your desk at 7 a.m. What is the rest of your day? Like, what does the rest of your day look like in terms of work? Honestly, it's different every day, which is what I love about working for myself. Um, Oftentimes, you'll find me in the kitchen creating content uh, for Instagram and TikTok. Um, On Mondays, I have like a meeting with my assistant, and then I make the meal plan for the week and answer emails. So it's just different every day. It depends on if I have a lot of administrative work or if it's more kind of in the kitchen cooking. The nice thing about working for yourself is that um, some days it'll be like, okay, I have to run some errands and I'll go off at like noon. Before COVID hit, I would spend at least one to two days working in a coffee shop because I found the change of atmosphere really good. Not only that, but like I have a real tendency to wear like 
a baggy t-shirt and sweatpants five days, a, seven days a week, actually, if I don't get out of the house. So making an effort to kind of put on makeup and get m- something nice on is important. But I'm by no means even like a year and a half in from working home full time have mastered where I want to be in terms of like a work-life balance. I'll usually close things up around 6 p.m. I wish it was earlier. And then I'm on my phone. You know, like it's really hard when you're in these early stages to kind of separate work from life. And especially when they're your passion, it really blends. So I wish I had better advice, but I'm not too good at it. Yeah, no, it's no one's perfect. And even for me, it's hard because for most people, if you're not a content creator, social media is a leisurely activity to sit there after a long day and scroll through Instagram and watch TikTok videos. That's something pleasurable that you just do when you want to chill. But when it's also blurred with work, it can get kind of tricky. And I know like I'm like if I have a video going viral on TikTok, I just want to keep checking it. And I'll realize I'll realize I would have checked TikTok probably 100 times in an hour. I'm like, this probably isn't healthy. So I, too, am working on creating more boundaries for myself. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, what I keep telling people is we are working during a pandemic. So getting out of bed and doing an hour of work for the day, I feel like is a an accomplishment at this point. Like it, it is it is really tough times. So I don't want to like put on this kind of like Gary V hustle, hustle, hustle type of attitude, because I think right now, more than ever, we need to be taking care of our mental health and um our own sanity given the climate of uh of the world oh my god it's so funny you mentioned gary v because i listen to him all the time and oh my god he (laughs) i just i love everything he has to say of course like gary's like very intense and he's just like this hardcore entrepreneur like for those of you who don't know who gary v is he's just this entrepreneur has so many businesses he's got a lot of money but he works his ass off for it and so i agree it's like don't be hard on yourself if, you know, one day you can't get as much done, but he definitely encourages the hustle. It's funny. Um, you're not the only person I've talked to lately who <laughs> Gary V has been brought up. He actually, like, I swear, is one of the reasons I pursued Plant You as a career choice. So if anybody is like wanting to kind of get in the mindset of pursuing your passion as a career, the Gary V podcast, or he has YouTube videos, he's on everything, um, is a good place to start because it does get you in this kind of like psyched up um, to pursue your passion attitude. Totally. And there are a few things he says that I like to live by. One, in relation to like social media and building your brand or business, he says, create the content you want to be known for. And it sounds very obvious, but sometimes even on TikTok, like there'll be like a trend going around where you tell like a dumb story that happened to you. And I'm like, you know what? Like if I went viral from that dumb story that has nothing to do with my business, those aren't the kinds of followers I want to attract. So I'm always just thinking, create the content you want to be known for. And when you repeat that, it makes so much sense. And it just helps you to create the content that you feel is truest to yourself. So that's, I think, one of his best pieces of advice. The other thing that really helped me is when he talks about um, like to stop care, 
caring about what other people are thinking. And it always makes me think back to when I first started Plant You is like I hid the fact that I had an Instagram plant-based profile from like all my coworkers and some of my friends because I was really embarrassed. And you really need to get out of that mindset because nobody really cares what anybody else is doing. Like if you think about beyond your really close friends and family, do you give much thought to what someone is doing and the choices they're making? Likely not. So go for what you want to do, be yourself and um, live authentically. He's really good at driving that home and it helped me shed it. I still care what people think, but it helped me shed a lot of that because I think it can be a real hindrance to success. Definitely. And I think there's a big difference between like what people think of you and like your reputation. Like obviously I want a reputation is like a positive, healthy, encouraging vegan food blogger. Like I care about what people think in that perspective, but this is like kind of what I wanted to go into next is like talking about online criticism and like hate comments and bullying and cyberbullying and all, all that kind of stuff. Then there's that difference between like just people who hate to hate. So it's about learning to not care about those people, just like the internet trolls. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, on the other side, you have like your actual reputation with growth and with a large following. It's inevitable that you have some meanies coming at you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I definitely have been no exception to trolls and hatred online. And it's um, it's tough. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I have gotten down many times about, especially when people are attacking, say, your personal appearance or maybe your relationship or um, the way you deliver a piece of content. It can be really tough to swallow. What you have to remind yourself of is that if a person has time and is spending their time um, going on a stranger's Instagram profile or a TikTok profile, and spewing a hateful comment that is in no way constructive, but just like obviously hateful, um, what place are they in? And obviously not a good one. So you hope for the best for them. But it's tough. Like, I won't lie that I've had trouble in the past not replying. Like, in my opinion, I don't think you should ever give energy to a blatantly hateful comment. Criticism is another thing, but pure hate is another. And um But I haven't been always like so quiet in the past because it's in my nature to kind of defend myself. But if somebody's going to do that, you have to remind yourself that they're not going to be the one who's like going to come around to your idea. Like like if they're if they're spewing hatred on your page. So it's tough. I like it's so it's so, so hard. It is hard. And like I'm someone who's super sensitive, like my feelings get hurt very easily and like I'm an empath so like I feel what others feel and like I'm very like in tune to that kind of thing so when someone hates on me or hates on a recipe like I used to take it way more personally but I've just learned to like brush it off because it really doesn't matter and as you said like the people who are taking time out of their day to leave a hate comment on literally a recipe video like this isn't even something that is worth their energy I, I don't understand. Like people will leave a hate comment on like vegan Alfredo. Like w- if you have time for that, you need to like get busy because that's a very sad life if you're taking the time to do that, like hating on someone else because they're posting a recipe video. It's so interesting being in the food space because 
you wonder what people say in the fashion or body positivity or beauty space are facing if like we're really not in front of the camera as much as most content creators are. So I one time even had someone like create this fake, like hateful profile of me, like taking picture close-ups of my face. And I only had probably at the time, like 10 photos of me on my public Instagram account they were all, like all food photos, but people will go to <laughs> these strong lengths to try to bring you down. But yeah, you just have to remind yourself that uh, that they're clearly not in a stable position, that you can't really argue that out of them and wish them the best in your mind, I think. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the time it's out of jealousy because typically the people criticizing you are always doing less than you or they feel like they're doing less yeah. than you and they kind of look at your life and and think like wow like I, I wish that was me and their responses to kind of hate and respond with criticism I think for me a lot of the time when someone leaves a hate comment and like you said my inclinations to defend myself like I just yeah. want to answer and like leave like a savage comment back to them but what I've started to do is like if someone leaves any kind of hate or criticism, I just respond with kindness and they come back. They're like, oh, like I was just kidding. It's like, no, you weren't. No, so you like weren't. <laughs> when they're actually faced with talking to you and like I respond with kindness, I think they notice I was like a real person whose video they commented on. And they're always like, oh, I was joking. I'm sorry. Like it didn't mean it. So I think also just remembering to always respond with kindness that also protects your reputation as I was saying like I've never said a bad word to anyone even if it was like your recipe looks like shit I would never eat that I'd be like don't knock it till you try it like I'll just (laughs) respond with like a nice comment and I think that's really helped me because like I feel that need to respond but then I just kind of kill it with kindness you're so funny because um recently I I get those comments all the time like this looks like shit or like um ew, this is unappetizing or your videos are crap. And like I had one the other day and I had just had it and under it, I just put like laugh my ass off. And then I had another person comment and say, is that really how you respond to your followers? It seems really immature and unprofessional. And I had to kind of like check myself for a second. And I'm like, this is my job. Like I need to kind of monitor myself a little more. But I need to take a page out of your book and like really be kind in my responses. But at some points, it's like you just you almost can't even help but roll your eyes and be like, why? Why did you need to do that? No, I think I've done that, too. Like, just make a joke out of it. And especially somewhere (laughs) like TikTok, like that's the place where you can be funny and like reply LMAO because then everyone else is going to go like your comment because that's funny. This particular one was on Instagram, but I do agree that TikTok is what I love about it is that it's so off the cuff that it's it's like that type of thing is acceptable. It's just it's just so funny what some people will uh, will troll you over. Yes. And I think, you know, this isn't just applicable to content creators. Everyone has been subject to haters or bullying or criticism in one way or another. If you just have a regular Instagram, you know, you get hate comments from the girls at school or or whatever it is. So like this is advice that you can really apply to anyone in any aspect of your life. Like F the haters like you do you don't (laughs) care about what other people think. 
and the people who are hating on you are the ones that actually like need kindness the most so I love that that needs to be like a like a tweet and to post it on Instagram is so good (laughs) yes totally um I wanted to talk about your fiance for a second is he vegan too so he is not vegan um my fiance and I met uh, probably nine years ago around this time. And at the time, I obviously was a big meat eater. So since that point, I've obviously gone vegan. And he is what I would describe as like generally plant-based. Um, he'll eat like fish if he goes to his parents' house, but he eats whatever I cook. So <laughs> he's mostly plant-based and he's very athletic. He, when he went plant-based, he lost like 30 pounds. So it's been amazing for him as well. And he really enjoys the lifestyle. For men, I think there is um, getting around that stigma of protein as well. Game Changers is an amazing documentary. If you have a male spouse that um, is having trouble getting around you going plant-based, but yeah, like I'm I'm super happy about how far he's come because I think it would be really difficult to make two separate meals. But when I first went vegan, he was definitely like a little bit like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's so funny. So do you have maybe like three meal ideas for people who are trying to like impress their partner with a plant-based meal? Yeah, let me think for a second. So definitely I think a red curry with rice and tofu is such like, I don't know who doesn't love curries. So a red curry or an Indian curry are like my go-tos whenever I'm like feeling like I want to have someone over for dinner or whichever else. Another one I really love is a vegan bolognese. So I make this often where I will take like mushrooms, peppers, basically whatever vegetable I have hanging around in my fridge. And I'll put them in the food processor to grind up, put them in a pan with uh, some marinara sauce to make like a really thick meaty sauce over pasta. It's always a good winner. And then another one would be like uh, cauliflower wings are so good. Recently, my dad and I made cauliflower wings wrapped in rice paper. And honestly, they're so good. But you can do them the traditional way too, of just like putting them in batter. And uh they're delicious. I mean, plant-based food is so good. I feel like when you put plants at the center of a of a meal, people just come around to how tasty it can be and make comfort food. Like don't make like a kale salad, make like burritos and pasta and curries and food you're actually going to want to eat and your spouse or your family is going to want to eat rather than like, like I said at the beginning, kind of like kale salads and zucchini pasta which nothing against either of those I eat both of them as well it's just not what I would use to kind of impress a friend or family member who's not plant-based definitely and I always say like take the food that you used to love to eat when you weren't plant-based and just veganize it like as you said make a bolognese but with like lentils and veggies make like an alfredo with cashews have a plant-based pizza with a ton of veggies and add like some grilled pineapple if you're into that make your own like nutritional yeast cheese to put on top like there are so many ways now to veganize your favorite like old comfort foods and you can do that in a healthy way and I think you really do a great job of that Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. 
I think you do a fabulous job of it as well. I first found you on Facebook, actually, because your photos are just so stunning with the white backdrop. I love like the cleanness of them. So um, when you reached out, I'm like, oh, I know who this is because you have just such beautiful, uh, beautiful plant-based and simple recipes. That's so funny. I didn't know that you saw me on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like probably, I mean, like at least a year or two ago now, I had a call with a girl I'm kind of mentoring the other day. And I'm like, follow this girl because she's like, you are really good on Facebook. I feel like I see your stuff all the time. And that's another thing for people get it, wanting to get into content creation. Don't sleep on Facebook because I feel like Facebook groups are a really good way to find a niche audience and uh, and spread your content to them. Amen. And at the same <laughs> time, just like a little tip, because I know we're like kind of wrapping things up now, but Facebook, when you share things to a group, it leads people back to your page. So while you're yeah. sharing with a ton of people, they they'll go and then like your Facebook page and then you just simultaneously grow your Facebook page just like you would an Instagram or a TikTok or Pinterest. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, as you said, do not sleep on Facebook because there are a lot of people there that are very, very hungry, no pun intended, for plant-based recipes. 100%. And content in general. So I have a few questions that I ask every single guest on my podcast. These are just like fun, get to know you questions. And that's just kind of how I like to end things. So one, um, what's one thing you can't live without in your morning routine? Probably like I need caffeine in the morning. I have quick story. Last week, my uh, fiance was cycling off caffeine for a week. He does this every couple of months and he didn't tell me and he makes a coffee in the morning. Um, So I had a splitting headache all day and I didn't know he had made decaf. So he came home. He's like, oh, how was the coffee this morning? I'm like, it was fine. And he's like, oh, it was decaf. And I'm like, oh, no wonder I haven't been able to work all day, yawning, exhausted. So I'm like totally addicted to caffeine, which is probably not um, good for the Healthy Girl podcast, but (laughs) it's the truth. That's so funny. No, I think for most people, caffeine is like their ride or die in the morning. So I understand. Um, what is something quirky about you that people would be surprised to find out? Something quirky. Um, I swear probably more than anybody, you know, I once swore on my Instagram stories and the amount of messages I got from my followers saying, I can't believe you swore. Like you just seem like this innocent person, but like in real life, I'm very bad. Like I swear a lot. So that's probably uh, something a lot of my followers don't know about me. I have to say same. (laughs) It's like, it's a problem. My dad always swore like a sailor growing up. So I got my dirty mouth from him. (laughs) That's really funny. Um, If you had to pick one form of exercise to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? For years I've weight trained and I love weight training. I think it's, uh, it's just such a good way to get in your exercise without kind of like that cardio feeling of being on a treadmill for an hour. It's not boring. I find at least I also love yoga. So both of them, but probably weight training if I had to choose one. And what is your favorite grocery store? So we have this um, Asian grocery store in my town. 
Barrie, Ontario, if anybody's listening, called Centra. And it just has the most abundance of vegetables at the best price and all different things that you've never seen at your typical grocery store. So that's definitely my favorite. Ooh, that's fun. I love an Asian grocery store. Yeah, it's uh, it's really close to us. So we're, we're lucky. That's awesome. Okay, now we're going to play this game called Rapid Fire Would You Rather, but it's like foodie, okay. <laughs> foodie edition. <laughs> okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Indian food or Mexican food? Indian. Oatmeal or avocado toast? Oatmeal. Cake or ice cream? Ooh, uh, cake. Spinach or romaine? Spinach. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Tofu or tempeh? Tofu. Lemon or lime? Lemon. Hummus or guacamole? Hummus. Pesto or alfredo? Pesto. And that's it. That's Would that You Rather fun. Foodie Edition. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's like my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been so fun. I feel like I've known you for a while, if that kind of makes sense. I don't know if it's from like... I feel like we have online, so yes. I guess that's true. Yes. Well, maybe we'll have to have you on again in the future, but this has been so nice. And where can everyone find you again on social media? I'm plant you across TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, and my blog, plantyou.com. So plant you, Y-O-U, and it's just one word. Perfect. Thank you, Carly. Thank you so much. This was a blast. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,